1: Hey everyone, welcome to the show, Chris Stemp here, thanks for listening, tuning in to another episode of the Smartest People on the Planet podcast. Before we get into it, I just want to thank those of you who have emailed us, tweeted us, Facebooked us, let us know that you're listening, that you're sharing the good word, that you're telling your friends about the show. It means a lot, and that is why John and I both agreed that this podcast has now become the longest thing we've ever done without quitting. <laughs> so... Uh, it's really, it's really been a good time. Another reason we enjoy this is because of the brilliant, amazing, great guests we have on, and then we make a connection with. And this week was no different. This week on the show, we interviewed Jeffrey Gittimer, also known as the King of Sales. But he is much, much more than that. You know, I, I mentioned this in the show. I was actually really excited to have Jeffrey on. I saw him give a keynote when I worked at a startup called Living Social. And he was the sales king. I mean, he had the energy, he had the taglines, and he has the work and the career to back it up. Jeffrey is the New York Times bestselling author of 13 books on sales attitude and personal development, including The Little Red Book of Selling, which has sold more than 5 million copies and is cited as an essential work in the 100 best business books of all time. In this episode, aside from things like career path and sales, we are talking with Jeffrey about his newest book, which is about to be released. You can go pre-order it on Amazon. And that book is called Truthful Living, The First Writings of Napoleon Hill. Now, what's really interesting about this is that in this book, Jeffrey is really taking some of Napoleon Hill's first foundational works and translating them to the modern day. In fact, the information in this book was unearthed deep in the archives of the Napoleon Hill Foundation and contain never-before-seen notes, letters, and lectures directly from Napoleon Hill. Napoleon Hill, of course, is best known for Think and Grow Rich, which is among the top 10 best-selling self-help books of all time. So it's a really unique take, Gittimer has a lot of unique things to bring to the table, a lot of great insights, and of course, he knows his stuff when it comes to Napoleon Hill. So let me turn it over to a colorful character and a great guest, Jeffrey Gittimer. We are at smartpeoplepodcast.com. Please tell a friend, rate us a review on iTunes, and of course, enjoy the show. So I saw you speak, by the way, I worked at living social for about 10 months and you spoke at one of our events. Yeah. Yeah. And you were great. And so when I saw your name come across the email, I was like, got to have Mon." And then when I got your book and I opened it, so we've been doing this for eight years. I've probably been sent, I'd say a thousand books. That'd be my guess. We have a, I think it was three people who've signed it. You, you being one of them, three. Mm. And I can remember uh, who, who it was. And so my point is, this is your brand. It, it struck
2: me when I heard you speak, and it, it it struck me when I opened this book. The challenge is always, can you create intrigue from the outset? Mm. We should record this. Yeah, it's recording. We're good. Yeah. We're okay, going. Okay, good. We should, we should uh, be intriguing at the outset. The object of attraction is to create engagement. Mm. Yeah, You can attract me to your site, but if I look at what you have and it's crappy, I'm unengaged. Right. And then if I'm attracted and engaged, then can I connect? And if I can connect, then will I take action? Okay. So those are the four steps in the process. Attract, engage, connect, purchase. Okay. I like that. Or do do something. Well, then let me ask you while I have you
1: on, the sales guru, and we're going to get into your background, but what if you don't know what to sell? Or if you don't have anything that you deem valuable to sell?
2: Make a list of the things that you love or love to do okay. and find something in that pile. So if you're a sports fan, you might want to sell baseballs. Right. And maybe they are sign baseballs and maybe there's a team in your area where you can buy them for a dollar and sell them for $3 or buy them for $10 and sell them for $30. But whatever it is, there's money in anything. If you're passionate about it, there's money in nothing. If you're only going for the money,
1: Ah. Uh. Now, what about what about the scalability? When do you feel people should go, well, okay, I get the selling baseballs analogy, but, you know, I need to support a family and I can only see myself making 100 bucks
2: Then find another place and find something else to do. I mean, scalability is a very modern term. Mm -hmm. And what it means is, can I grow the business? Right. And can I do it on a scalable level? Can I do it and multiple people do it with me or for me? Or can I grow it in other directions myself? So, for example, if I just sell baseballs, can I also include footballs and basketballs? Mm. But but I think the bottom line there is, can I grow the business? And what's my best way to grow the business? And once I find that out, I'm in pretty good shape. Until I find that out, I need a job. Okay, so you are not opposed to the side gig. It depends. In this book that we're about to interview, mm-hmm. Napoleon Hill says, find a definite major aim and work on that until you finish it. People with side gigs don't really love their job or they wouldn't have a side gig. Right. Or they they like their job, but they want to make more money. And so the side gig supplements their income, but it only allows you to arrive at mediocrity at both. Right. Exactly. You have to decide you're all in at one or the other.
1: That's the thing we get a lot of emails about people struggle with. You know, it's those golden handcuffs. And maybe it's not even they're making a lot of money. It's just enough. And, well, hey, I'm, I'm putting all this time into that, and then I have the family, and then I have everything else. How can I find time for something else? I hear that probably more than anything.
2: I'll give you the answer. Okay. Stop drinking beer and watching television like a fool. Yeah, yeah. Everybody has an extra 10 hours a week. Everybody. Mm-hmm. They watch something dumb, stupid on television, and then they wonder where their time went. And you just ask them how much they're investing every week in beer or whiskey and that will give you the answer. So for, Or worse, cig- cigarettes or something stupid. For clarification, do you drink at all? Uh, when I'm in France, I drink wine. Okay, all right, just checking. And I, ha- I have a, a four beers a year. I'm on my second one now. I finished my second one. Okay. Um, I almost had a craft beer the other day at uh, one of the places where our team went, but it was so shitty I didn't drink it. <laughs> uh, so I'm, you know, but I'm a, I'm a, blue moon guy or spotting guy or St. Paul's girl guy. I'm going to Germany uh, in a couple of weeks. So oh, nice. I'll probably do both my beers there. All
1: right. Well,
2: yeah, listen. Good beer.
1: speaking of going to Germany and also speaking of this idea of finding 10 hours a week, you know, I was reading up about you preparing for this interview and it seems like you do the work of four people. I mean, I don't know how much of it's true because everything on the internet is obviously true, but you know, you mentioned you're podcasting five days a week. I want to talk about your prolific writing, and we'll get into that. Then speaking, I read almost somewhere around 100 speaking engagements a year.
2: Yeah, I did three last week, back to back to back. So how? Just tell us how, honestly. I don't know how. I just, I don't know any other way. And when you don't know any other way, you figure it out. Like I wake up at five-ish, and and I have a nine-year-old daughter whom I walk to school. I'm with her every other week, Mm -hmm. but on the weeks that I'm with her- I wake my ass up earlier. Um, I make sure that she's got breakfast and lunch and I walk, we park. I could go in the school line to drop her off, but I don't. I park a few blocks away and we walk to school every day and pick her up at three o'clock and walk home because I'm a dad. That's my first job, dad. Right. All other jobs are kind of. mm. Secondary. Well, good on you, by the way, because, you know, one of
1: the things I've found in talking to a lot of successful people is I do think, especially I have two kids, I have a almost four-year-old and a five-month-old. And I like to joke now, if I knew before kids what I know now, I would have accomplished a lot more because they exactly. take so much time.
2: Oh, yeah. You know? Lot, but let me explain something about that. It's worth it. Right. Like, you couldn't have a better time changing a diaper or hanging out with a little kid or encouraging them to walk or mm-hmm. just shitting around with them.
1: Well, somebody like so, yourself that's so driven. Do oh, yeah. You, but do you, do you but ever I get, have time for fun.
2: Yeah. Here's the deal. Yeah. Um, hurricane horseshit just came, Florence came through (laughs) a a couple of days ago and we're all, my daughter was with me. It was Friday night and we're talking about going to a hotel and having a staycation just in case the lights go out and we're all, you know, well, what do we do if the lights go out? Well, my daughter slips over to the light switch in the room where I'm in and turns it out and we, and she pranks us into thinking (sighs) that the lights were out. (laughs) Come on. That was phenomenal. Yeah just totally phenomenal yeah that's well so done. I gave her I gave her a 10 stars on that just you know because she's thinking and she thinks funny yeah first yeah if you can if you're if if anybody's listening to this and they were wondering how to think best think funny hmm. I think funny first the smartest people I know think funny first curmudgeons think funny last they don't even know what funny is. they wouldn't know what funny was if it bit them in the ass-hmm And I feel sorry for those people, but there's nothing I can do other than ignore them.
1: What I was going to say is though, for somebody like yourself and a lot of people that listen to this show, always curious, always want to do more, accomplish more, make more, et cetera. Do you ever find yourself in situations with perhaps it's your daughter and you're not questioning, but you're balancing like I'm spending time with her, but that means I'm not spending time
2: on X or Y, whatever it is. And so that's not growing. Okay, so I'll throw this at you. I don't spend time; I invest time. Okay. And by investing, if I'm with my daughter, I never count it spending time. I count it investing time, because I can give her one or two tidbits that she might be able to remember forever, or we're just sitting there watching SpongeBob, which I totally love to watch. I <laughs> am um, not into the Loud House, but I am into SpongeBob. <laughs> but. I, I want to spend father-daughter time to where she appreciates the fact that I'm there. I'm there. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to go back to one more thing, humor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I lead with humor and I think funny, I'm going to be much more creatively spontaneous and more prolific if I'm in positive zone. This – the the book that I sent you, this uh, Napoleon Hill Thoughtful, uh, Truthful Living mm-hmm. – the reason that this book will be successful is because it starts out saying, if you're not positive, don't even turn the page because it's not going to do you any good. Right. You, if you're if you're not willing to accept new information, it's because you're negative. If you're not willing to accept new information, it's because you're either critical of someone or cynical about things or angry about something. And you can't there, there's no way you're going to be receptive during that period of time. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. Just think of yourself when you're angry. Creativity is out the door, and then when the anger is over, you say say to yourself, "I should have said this." Well, the reason you didn't say it is because your creativity was being blocked by your anger. Mm -hmm. And so I'm in a happy mode all the time, and even if I'm pissed off at something because it happened—airlines or service or some kind of thing—I'm still creative because I'm not really that angry.
1: Speaking of creativity and hard work, what we've been talking about, there's one thing that jumped out to me, and and again. Not sure of the truth here. I want some, some, some insight yeah. here, but I read that in, in 2006, you had four books on the Wall Street bestseller list at the same yeah. time, which was the first yeah. time that's ever happened. Yep. I have so many questions around that. One is, how
2: do you have so much to say? Uh, I'm going to trace it all the way back to my ancestry. My grandfather was smart. My mother and father were smart. And so they gave birth to a smart kid. And I decided how I was going to take advantage of my intelligence. And I did. So I found out in nine. Mm-hmm. I was always kind of a good writer. I got, I, it was the only course I think I aced in college. Mm-hmm. And I got an A minus because I would hand write my papers and turn them in. And the, the professor would say, you know, if you rewrite this without the scratch outs, I'll give you an A. I'm like, I, I don't want to do that. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I got. <laughs> I got shit to do. (laughs) Um, So I got a minus, but I still got a and, uh, I looked around me and all the other kids got D and F because they couldn't write anything. Well, I took a grammar lesson every day in high school. Every single day for four years, we had a grammar lesson at Haddonfield Memorial High School in Haddonfield, New Jersey. And, um, when we had our 50th class reunion, everyone agreed that grammar was the most important thing they learned in high school. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, So, but, but my challenge is that I'm prolific Mm -hmm. because I can think of what to say next. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I'm not going to research 3000 people and find out what their opinion is and write about that. That's bullshit to me. Mm -hmm. And all those polls are bullshit anyway, or we would have had a different president. Correct? Yes. So let's look at that and say, well, the polls say, I don't give a shit what the polls say. Mm -hmm. I only care what the people say. And I'm. 2,500 speeches into my career. So I kind of have a concept of what's going to work and what's not going to work. And that's what I talk about. But, but here's the deal. If you look at what you're trying to do in your life and you love it, then you're going to do it with, you know, at six o'clock in the morning and, and, uh, one o'clock in the morning. Yeah. You're just the same. Yep. But if you don't love it, you're going to begrudge it and sit there with a beer and say, they don't pay me enough. Or my boss is an asshole. Or my customers think my prices are too high, or some other stupid thing, and you shouldn't be in that anyway. If you're griping, go. Yeah. If if, you, if you're griping, go. If you're griping, go. Well, you and so your thing
1: is sales, right? I mean, that's, that's my thing is sales. Your thing is sales.
2: Sales, attitude, and personal development is my thing. Sure. I have it. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I I know that the the attitude and all that, and that's why I think you do such a great job with with this kind of Napoleon Hill, not transcription, but you know, explaining it, but. So is sales something you love and has it always been something you loved?
2: Yeah. It has. I started when I was a little kid.
1: Were you one of those ones like selling candy on like, the street corner? Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What yeah. do you like about it? Uh, there's a gratification that I've achieved, uh, but there's a, a bigger thing. Um, if you, there's a belief system that everybody has. You got to believe that you work for a great company. You got to believe that you have great products. You have to believe that you're a great person. And then if you have all those three things present, then you have to believe you can differentiate yourself from your competitor. And you have to believe that the customer is better off having purchased from you, but you can't believe that in your head. You have to believe it in your heart. Head is attached to price. Heart is attached to wallet. If you jerk on the heartstring, the wallet comes popping right out of that back pocket. You got a four year old kid. Yeah. Boy or girl. Boy, what's his closing ratio? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Damn near 100. Exactly. Oh. So, so that's, <laughs> that, once you understand that, that it's a, an emotional sale rather than a logical sale, you can win. The sale is made emotionally and then justified logically. Yeah. And so for you and, and uh, wh- whoever the listeners are, if they're looking for insight, they're going to find it and it's very common. There's nothing unusual about doing the right thing. There's nothing unusual about selling what you love or doing what you love. There's nothing unusual about that. But some people just don't do it. And I don't, I don't understand why, you know, they'd rather like sell insurance because they think there's a lot of money in it or they want to sell cars because they think there's a lot of money in it. You know, if there's a lot of money in it, then, and you don't love it, there's not going to be a lot of money in it for you. There may be a lot of money in it, but not for people that don't love what they do.
1: Yeah. No, I agree with you, actually. And, you know, this is the first time I've ever asked somebody this question, but for a long time, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And now I I know what a few of my passions are. But do you ever waver in like, OK, I've done this now? I want to go focus on something completely different. Sure.
2: Yeah, OK, exactly.
1: And and how how do you handle that? So say like podcasting, right? I love it, but I only want to do it 30 percent of the time because then I want to do I don't know, sports. And then I want to do like, I don't know, I'm making things up. But how do you focus when you have multiple things you really enjoy?
2: Listen, it becomes evolutionary. Mm. Um, I was in the imprinted sportswear business in the 1970s, made T-shirts and ladies tops and manufactured my own stuff and rose literally to an unbelievable success by the mid 80s. And then I started to do consulting and I said to myself, "This is a, like a podunk industry, and I'm king. Why do I want to? St- why do I want to be lord of the flies?
1: Mm.
2: There's got to be something greater than that." So I began to evolve myself out of it, while still sort of staying in it. And then eventually, I did something else, and then something else, and then that leads to something else. You have to, um, you know, the Irish blessing: "May the wind always be at your back." Mm-hmm. That's where you have to be. You have to be sensitive, and that's a, a true blessing. It's, that blessing has truth in it. Just keep the wind at your back and it'll tell you exactly where to go. Right. Keep it. But if you're searching for money, it's not going to lead you there.
1: Yeah. I learned that one quickly. And I think a lot of our listeners know that story. Let's talk about this book a little bit. Truthful Living, the first writings of Napoleon Hill. Everybody's heard. Well, I assume most people listening have heard of Napoleon Hill. Um, and Anybody I, read, listening
2: to this, anyone listening to this show will, yeah,
1: exactly. That's, that's what I'm assuming. Cause there's all smart people
2: on it. That's right? right. That's right. If you, if you are, if you have not heard of Napoleon Hill, it's probably cause you're a fucking idiot and you shouldn't be on the <laughs> show. I was going to say, stop listening. Okay, cool. <laughs> Just stop listening. <laughs> um,
1: but you know, one of my first things when I, so I, as I mentioned, I saw you speak years ago. I'm thinking sales guy, right? I get the book. I say, I wonder how Jeffrey got tapped to do this. You know, the annotations of Napoleon Hill. And then very quickly on, you talk about your introduction to Napoleon Hill and how Think and Grow Rich didn't instantly resonate with you. Tell us Mm -hmm. about how, essentially, how you built your relationship with his foundation and eventually got tapped to uh, do this book.
2: Well, the first couple of times I read the book, it didn't resonate with me. Uh, I was with a group of guys in 1972, and we read the book chapter by chapter. We did a book report on one chapter every day for one year. And there's only 15 chapters in the book, so we were going through a book and a half every month. And um, I tried to read it, you know, do my report on a different chapter, so I became very knowledgeable about the book and its findings. And that led me to a positive attitude. Well, I kept it with me, made millions of dollars worth of sales, kept my positive attitude for years and years. And then fast forward, um, I was introduced to Don Green, who heads the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And I'm talking to this guy and saying to myself, how do I thank him? And this is around 2002, 2003. How do I thank him for getting me this attitude? And the answer was, I said, look, you guys don't do a newsletter. Let me do your newsletter for you. I'll do it for free. I'll send it out for free. I'll build your list. The only thing that you can't do is pay me. And they go, uh, cause everyone wants in, you know what I mean? They want to, you know, I can make you a lot of money. All you have to do is give me some of your money. Right.
1: Bullshit. right.
2: Um, so I just did it for free. Now I've been doing it for 15 years for free. Wow. So when they came across these documents, they called me on the phone and say, Hey, would you like to annotate this? And you know, turn it into a book. I go, hell yeah, I do. Wow. So I was given the privilege, given the honor, because I I gave, you know, I, I did favors, or I, I gave things in advance. I referred to it as giving value first. I don't measure. I never expected anything from them. I never asked them for anything. And all of a sudden, this gets dropped on my doorstep. Wow.
1: well, and By doing
2: the right thing. Sure. And you
1: mentioned here when these documents got discovered. Tell mm-hmm. our listeners, I mean... I guess first we can start, give us an overview of what this book is. Cause a lot of people are like, wait, it's Napoleon Hill, but it's Jeffrey. I don't understand. So, so tell us what it is. But then also where did these documents come from? I'm actually curious about that.
2: Yeah. They, uh, the Napoleon Hill foundation has, has hundreds of thousands of pieces of paper and recordings of Napoleon Hill in a warehouse. And so they go digging through them to see what's there, but they only have a certain amount of time because there's only a few people that run the entire foundation. So when they came across these original documents, they were like, whoa. And they're hand-typed by Napoleon Hill. Each lesson is hand-typed so you know it's his work. And he signs it at the bottom. So every one of these lessons has been typed and signed by Napoleon Hill. It started out as an advertising and sales course. And at the end of each lesson, he would write something on how to implement this using your attitude your perseverance your you know your your personal development tools in order to be able to make these people successful because he knew that they couldn't be successful without the right attitude and they couldn't be successful without the right series of things that would inspire them to do more not motivate them but inspire them to do more so he would write all these personal development things on attitude and enthusiasm and concentration and you know, all the things that are, that are in the book and it became a book of its own. When I, when I read the whole thing, I said, wait, this is the beginning of thinking grow rich. And so I edited out all the sales part of average because people don't want to learn how to sell advertising, but they do want to learn how to be a better person. And so I took out all, I, I, in, I imp- imported all of the good personal development lessons and turned that into this book, truthful ah. living. It was called truthful advertising. The course was called truthful advertising. But when you boil down what was in the back of each lesson, it was called, uh, uh, you know, it, if you look at the at the uh, uh, at at each one of these chapters, it it's all about um, his after the lesson visit with Mr. Hill. So after the lesson, he said, all right, listen, you guys, listen up. You just learned about this. Now it's time to understand why you do this, how it's going to be successful, how you can be a better person. And it worked. I mean, it, it totally worked. And if you look at the, at, just look at the table of contents and mm-hmm. you'll see this, it's incredible.
1: I know, I was looking through it uh, in the past hour and just...
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by The Lady's Guide to Petticoats and Piracy, sequel to the New York Times bestseller, The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue. The Gentleman's Guide captured hearts and a Stonewall honor with its rollicking tale of Monty, an 18th century lord who embarks on a grand tour of Europe with his best friend and not-so-secret crush, Percy. Fans also love Felicity, Monty's sister, a lady who defies all 18th century expectations and gets her own adventure in lady's guide to petticoats and piracy, filled with swashbuckling pirates, hidden identities, and a quest to sidestep marriage to instead become the doctor she's always wanted to be. The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue and The Lady's Guide to Petticoats and Piracy are available wherever books or audiobooks are sold. And now, back to the episode.
1: Well, one of the things that struck me, and and this is, I wanted to ask you because you sell and you write, and then you did this. I mean, you mentioned your things are selling, uh, personal development and attitude, which is what Napoleon Hill dedicated his life to, correct? Bingo. How... Do you maintain the energy or inspiration to create your own content after going through so much of, you know, this genius writing? Do you ever everybody ask yourself, got, look, what do I have to all, add? First
2: of all, first <laughs> of all, everybody goes through their shit. You know, your, my mother passed away. My father passed away. You know, people go through their own shit. Right. But I have four daughters and four granddaughters. So I have all girls all the time. My oldest are twins, 46 years old. My, my four granddaughters are anywhere from, from 10 to 20. My youngest daughter's nine. Wow. So I'm, I have the gift of children. And when you have that, and it is a gift. When you have that gift, their inspiration is your inspiration. You're going to be inspired by your kids literally forever. The silence is broken. It's never going to go away. And sons, you can throw them out of the house when they're 20, but daughters are never <laughs> off the payroll. So, but, but you uh, interacted with Stacy, correct, to get this interview? Yes. She's my daughter. Ah. So that, so the daughters work in the business or mm-hmm. have worked in the business, and I get to be in contact with them literally daily. And the granddaughters come over and sleep over. Um, my 10-year-old granddaughter and my nine-year-old daughter go to the mall and the, the, a clerk will say, oh, you're so cute. Are you sisters? And my granddaughter said, no, this is my aunt. Ah, yeah, I could see that. <laughs> so it's a funny time. They love cracking around, crapping around. And I'm inspired by that. I, I have my incentive is my family because I'm a family guy.
1: Do you ever think someone else has already done it, already written it, already spoken about it, et cetera? That's the thing I'm, I'm, not, worried about. About I'm no? not worried about that. I'm not worried about that. No. So you just I, put I, it out there?
2: I'm a damn good writer. Yeah. If somebody writes about something, I can tell you mine will be more readable or in my, in my heart, I feel that mine will be more readable. You read my little gold book of yes attitude. Mm-hmm. You can get it. You can, you can acquire a yes attitude as a result of it. Mm. I just went one step above positive attitude because I couldn't just write about positive attitude. It's been written about 500 times. So I wrote about yes attitude. I trademarked it. And uh, the easiest way to define it is when something great happens to you, you don't scream positive. When something great happens, you scream yes. Mm. And that's the subtle difference that defines what it is that you, that, the way you need to think. You don't think positive. You think yes. You act positive. You talk positive. But you think yes. Everybody wants a yes. What's your favorite
1: lesson that you uncovered through these documents?
2: That's pretty damn hard. But I, yeah. I would say there's the five-point rule. That's huge in the book. And it's near the end of the book. And what he talked about was self-confidence, enthusiasm, working with a chief aim, performing more service than you're paid for and concentration. That's an aha because it's a hundred years old and still more relevant today than it ever was. So if you look at something that's so fricking old that it's that the writer's dead, the, the everyone involved in it is dead, but it still lives on in terms of its, of its currency. Uh, it's inspirational. And my, my fiance was the editor of the book and she would text me as she was editing. Look at this quote. Look at this quote. Look wow. at this quote. You know, it was, it was inspirational to the, the person who, who annotated it, me and who edited it, me and my editor. Hmm. Think about that. And Amazon.com is is uh, is publishing the book, and they're on fire about it. They think it's going to be huge, and they're correct.
1: Well, I have to admit, I mean, that's one of the things that struck me about it is, again, Napoleon Hill, I'm thinking, wow. And then Truthful Living uh, is yeah. such a great kind of subtitle yep. to it, a subtext, yep. if you will. Then you make it English, essentially, readable. I mean, Think and Grow Rich, I've read, her has sold over 100 million copies.
2: That's correct. So- In- in, like, 70 foreign countries. It's, it's incredible what that book has done. It's, I'm going to the Frankfurt Book Fair. Oh, uh, It's the international book fair. I'm going uh, October, like, 7th and 8th or 9th. So I'll be in Frankfurt, Germany, and there will be hundreds of foreign publishers that will want to take this book and translate it. Sure. Into their language, whatever right. the language is. Right. And the reason is because they're, they already know that this guy has the following of personal development seekers, Mm -hmm. positive attitude seekers, people that want to advance to success and wealth in their career and know that the positive aspect of it is integral to their success. So how, how does this book differ from Think and Grow Rich? Well, the difference, they're both personal development books, Mm -hmm. right? But the difference is this is the foundation of his thinking and not everything is exactly the same as he evolved. I want to know the origin of the species. I don't know about you, Mm -hmm. but I'm interested in where did it come from? Who, who did he, if you look at the back of the book, there's uh, books that you're supposed to buy. It says books you ought to read. And if you want to know who influenced Napoleon Hill, just look at this list. It appears no place else. So I want to know where this guy got his influence.
1: Wow. He, this is from him.
2: He, 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 this is literally what he wrote. Yeah. This is, Hill's original recommended reading from 1919. (laughs) 30 cents, 35 cents for a book. (laughs) Right, exactly. But if you look in here, you're going to see um, Obvious Adams, which is an incredible book. You're going to see all kinds of books by Orison Sweat Martin, which is where he got a lot of his thinking. And but Orison Sweat Martin was a religious writer, not necessarily just an attitude writer. And Napoleon Hill uh, specifically took religion or tried to keep religion out of the book because he didn't want it to be, uh, um, uh, confused with, if you're not a righteous person, you're never going to have a positive attitude.
1: When you first, the, the, the thing you talked about when you had to do book reports in your sales company, you know, every day, Yeah, what was it that clicked for you and then made you so, so much of a believer in Napoleon Hill that you, Con, you know, contact the foundation and say, I want to write for you and all these things.
2: I, no, no, I did. I just was introduced to somebody at the foundation. It was a happenstance uh, introduction. Okay. I was at the National Speakers Association. My speaking mentor was Charlie Tremendous Jones, and he was doing a bunch of stuff with the Napoleon Hill Foundation. And I happened to be at his booth the same time that Don Green, the the president of the foundation, was there. And Charlie said, I've been wanting you guys to meet each other. Da, 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 da. Mm. I'm like, oh, cool. And that's what happened. Yeah. I mean, it, it. All things happen by the laws of nature,
1: for sure. But w- yeah. do you remember what resonated with you? Because you said you didn't like it at first. Then you yeah, but here's did. the deal.
2: No, I didn't understand it at first. Ah. So once I started to understand it, and that that took a whole year. It took me one year, 1972, to get it. And then, unconsciously, I just followed the teachings and the writings by implementing all of those all of those elements, and. Finally, when it came down to uh, meeting uh, Don Green from the Napoleon Hill Foundation, it became like a logical thing for me to to try to do something with them because it was so influential to me. How could I say thank you? Mm. That's all I wanted to do was say thank you. Mm. And that now it's turned into an enterprise.
1: Right. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what what is his foundation for?
2: Uh, It's to reproduce all of the Napoleon Hill writings and to keep the copyrights rolling and to, you know, make sure that nobody takes advantage of the the intellectual property of Napoleon Hill. You know, it's yeah. there like any other foundation.
1: Yeah. And he, he set it up before he died, right?
2: Yeah. That seems... So he... He knew it. Listen, he that, knew... That's what I was he, going with. He knew. He knew. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, exactly. People that know set up a trust or a foundation before they're dead.
1: Right. Did you... Um, Have you dug into his background kind of prior to the writings at all?
2: Yeah, of course.
1: What... Uh, what triggered him down this path?
2: Well, he was always seeking success. Mm. And there's mixed statements. If you do a whole bunch of study on Napoleon Hill, you'll find out some people thought he was a great guy and some people thought he took advantage of his audience. Mm. It was a long time ago. And as far as I'm concerned, I look for the good in things. Uh, He has published amazing documents. He is an amazing writer and was a very good and compelling speaker. So I'm going to go with that part of it. What people do in their private lives is really none of my business. Um, yours is not perfect, I'll bet, and neither is mine. So I don't want to judge the character of somebody by what, by what they do off the job. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, he, Napoleon Hill had multiple wives. Okay, so did I. Again, <laughs> am I going to die or what, what's the deal there? <laughs> um, I, I think that you have to look at the character of, of, of his work, uh, the character of his content, and that's how you judge. And that's how I've judged. Because th- this has changed millions and millions of lives. Mm. Who am I to comment on what kind of a person he was or what he did? You know, did he smoke? Well, I don't know if he smoked. Um, and I don't care. Uh, the odds are he probably did not. Right. But every- everyone around him did. Because in those days, everyone smoked. And it wasn't that big of a deal.
1: Well, sure. And I don't know if that necessarily speaks to character, but I would imagine there are some things, and I'm not saying with Napoleon Hill, but just in general, knowing your brand, and then obviously the subtitle being Truthful Living. There 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 has to come a line where there's no hypocrisy, I would imagine, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I would say that too. I, yeah. I don't I don't feel that any of those things were written hypocritically. Sure. I think they were written with the right intent there to help go. other people. Right. He didn't say, I'm perfect, please please watch me. Mm-hmm. What he said is, this is how to be better. Mm-hmm. This is how to be more successful. This is how to gain a little bit more money. Yep. These are the things you have to do and the way you have to think in order to become successful. And he's right. You can say anything about Napoleon Hill you want as a character, but you can't say his words aren't truth.
1: That's what I was just about to say. Yeah. It's like, at the end of the day, if you can go, it, it,
2: it, Like, it, dude. it's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see, what is this? I was going to call it fucking truthful living, but that might offend people. <laughs> I don't know. There's so many books with the
1: F-bomb in the title now. I was just at the airport, and I took a picture. There were three right next to each other.
2: I went into the Amazon bookstore in New York City on Columbus Circle. Mm -hmm. Eight. Eight titles had the F-bomb flat out. Yeah. So what does the little kid do when they're walking around? (laughs) I don't know.
1: I don't know, man. You can't say anything they, they in put front an of my They put in
2: there so you won't know what it is.
1: I love that. And they put them in different, dun, dun, dun. different, yeah. different parts. Yeah. Rhymes with duck. You've accomplished a lot. You've, you have you now yep. know the basics with Napoleon Hill, all the things you've accomplished. I want to spend the next, I don't know, 15 minutes or so helping my audience accomplish what they want. Where does it okay. start? Okay. And, and, and we'll go broad and we'll get narrow. Where does it start? If somebody says, all right, look, I'm not lazy. Let's start there. I have a, a decent amount of intelligence, Yep, uh, And I just want to be successful however they define it. Where do we start? Okay.
2: Start with stop. Wake up in the morning and stop wasting your time. Wake up in the morning and stop doing stupid things that won't double your income. I do five things every morning, no matter if my ass falls off. I wake up in the morning and I read or I write or I prepare or a combination of all three, and that causes me to do two things, think and create. So read, write, prepare, think, create. Now I've been doing those five things for 25 years every morning, Saturday, Sunday, hurricane, snowstorm, doesn't matter what it is, those are the five things I do when I get up. And I do them even if my ass falls off. So in 25 years, I now have 15 books and people, other people get up and they take a shower or, and I'm not saying I don't bathe, <laughs> but I'm saying, but I am saying, and sometimes I pee before I write, <laughs> but but I'm at my computer right away in the morning. Mm. I don't care what happened. I don't care about my emails or any of that kind of shit. I start out with me and I start out by with me selfishly every single day. Now, if people are looking to succeed and they wake up in the morning and the first thing they do is Check their email. see what the weather's going to be. Dude, if you want to know what the weather is, look out the fucking window. That'll tell you what the weather is. If you're in Chicago in the winter, it's going to be cold. <laughs> oh, um, that's so, good. so I think that you have to look at it from the perspective of, can I double my income by, by doing these things? And that's all I, I, I seek to do. I seek to help other people and make sure that my legacy is, is cemented with what I'm writing and what I'm doing and what I'm thinking, I'm going to read, I'm going to re listen to this interview, which is really damn good because hmm. there's a few tweets in there that I want.
1: All right. I love and it. I'll
2: suck. The, I'll suck the tweets out and I'll give you a hashtag if you want. What's the hashtag you want?
1: Oh, let's do it. Uh, smart people
2: pod, smart people pod. You yep. got it. That's what we do. Okay. And, uh, we'll rev this interview. You know, oh rev? yeah.
1: Yeah. We do yeah. it too. And actually here's a, a, a tip. Um, So Rev does great transcripts, but they came out with a program called Temi, T-E-M-I, which does the transcripts via, um, like computer. Yeah. And they are 98%, I'd say, um, accurate and they are, uh, 50, they're like 50% cheaper or something. Now money's not an issue for you, but for us, uh, we, we
2: really, so we use it. We use Temi. Well, if it works for you, fine. We don't. Yeah. We no, we know about. what the options are, but uh, <laughs> you guys got money, okay? We're getting there. Oh yeah, we're well. It's not a lot of money at Rev. Does Rev cost us five bucks to do a whole thing? Uh, ah, yeah. what is it like? Uh, a buck maybe a, ten,
1: minute, huh? a buck a minute. is And then yeah. That's
2: like yeah. fifty bucks.
1: You crazy? So I got two kids. I got no. Anyway. So all right. So wait. <laughs> so I like this. So um. So you got so, diapers. Yeah. Okay. Got go diapers. So yeah. you say stop to start, and I love that. Now, how important is focus. The ability to say, although there's three things I want to accomplish until I accomplish this one, that's what I'm focused on.
2: I'm going to give you a subtle difference. Okay. Napoleon Hill's fifth word in his five most important words or the five greatest words in the English language is concentration. And it's also part of his, of his five-step program of, of, um, you know, the, the, the five rules that I just showed sure. Concentration is the ending word each time. So if you think about concentration rather than focus, it becomes a clearer issue. I have to concentrate on what's important to me so that I can make certain that I get this done to the best of my ability. We as a society are distracted so easily. It's like the moth flying to the light bulb. Mm -hmm. You don't know why you're doing it, but you're doing it because somebody texts you, and I admit, I'm a victim of it myself. Somebody texts me, I think, because not many people have my cell phone, so if I get a text that's from someone that's important, I want to try to respond as quickly as I can. Mm. But if I'm writing, I wait, because I don't want to ruin my concentration. So I'm concentrating on my writing, and concentrating on the words that I have to create, because sometimes if you break your concentration, you lose your thought. Nothing is more important than maintaining your thought and your stream of consciousness. Otherwise, the idea gets lost and you get all pissed off and not good.
1: Right. And, you know, I think there's people out there that are going to question. I get it. But how do you maintain that discipline? And if I were to answer for you and then you answer, I would imagine it's you will have that discipline if it's something you enjoy that much.
2: Well, let me redefine it a little bit. It's not called discipline. It's called self-discipline. And you decide how self how disciplined you want to be. Discipline is like of that. Self-discipline is right here, baby. You're responsible for you. In the very beginning of this book, Napoleon Hill says success is up to you. And you have to decide what you're willing to do, what your level of desire is, what your ability to, to, to have self-confidence in it, to invest in it, to, to concentrate on it, and to have the outcome be the way you want. And not, it won't always be the outcome the way you want, but you gave it your best. Now you move on to something better. One of
1: the things that strikes me about almost everything you say is the and it's refreshing is the focus on your yourself in a not in a selfish way, but in a like when you said, why would I go take a thousand people and condense it into a book like that's useless, right? It's I want to put my own words out there.
2: Do you care what a thousand people think? Really?
1: I you know, it's something I've struggled with for a long time. Actually, why we started the podcast was a continual belief that somebody else knew more. Right. Exactly. Exactly,
2: and and, and that I, I care more what one person thinks. Like I can have a thousand person's opinion, right. Or I can have Steve Jobs to talk to. What would you rather do? Sure, of course. So I rest my case just on that. Finding the Steve Jobs might be difficult. Not him specifically.
1: No. I'm saying the people out there that are. You
2: know what? They're, they're hard to find. What's yeah. your point? If they were easy yeah, to know. find, everyone would do it. Yeah, 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 that's a good point. So I want to know what other people think, of course, but. I want to know what brilliant people think, like you do. Right. Smart people. Yeah. Right. Is that that, the
1: deal here? That's the whole purpose. So you, okay. So I love the idea of self-discipline, uh, start by stopping. Then where, where do they go once they get into a little bit of a rhythm? Is are you constantly thinking, how do I grow this?
2: Exactly where to go. Okay. Go to something that you love to do. Otherwise, why the hell are you doing it? I mean, why would you, why would you hate going to work in the morning? why would you hate your boss or hate your coworkers or anything having to do with dislike? Why, why would you do that? Life is short. That's so, so
1: I, it's it. Look, it makes sense on a obvious level, but on a realistic level, I know myself included so many people struggle with that. And now I put the hard work in to get to a place where I enjoy waking up in the morning and doing what mm-hmm. I do. Right. But, it takes time. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Takes time winning, losing, failing, figuring it out.
2: Hey, I didn't start to write. Until I was forty-six years old, mm. I didn't start to I didn't start to speak until I was forty-eight years old.
1: Ah, uh, got it. Everybody's in a rush to get there.
2: Yeah, I tell people take the long cut. Were you? Were, were, bring us. Back I was in into, a rush. I'm.
1: I'm from Jersey. Everybody's in a rush. Yeah, well, bring us back to say, call it your mid twenties or thirties. When you're, I'm sure
2: you're thinking, man, I want to accomplish more. Of course, of course. So I kept reading and I kept selling and I kept. I owned my own businesses all the way. I sold in New York city. I was successful at it. I, I had, you know, goals and ideals for each thing. And then when it was time to go, I went, I, I didn't stay. Um, I don't want to say married to, cause that's a, that's a bad verb, but <laughs> I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to stay too attached to things where I felt I could grow beyond them, but they were mine. I didn't like quit in the middle. I did it until I was done. And then I moved to the next thing. Right. Same with you. You're going to do podcasting either until you decide you're going to scale it in some way or that you're done. See, and what we're
1: hitting on now is I think some of the fascination is that, and I hear this from everyone else, you want to get somewhere so fast and you miss out on the fact that it does take all these
2: iterations. Because you're chasing income and not outcome.
1: Where'd you come (laughs) up with that one? Tell me that Uh, didn't just come off the top of your head.
2: No, I've said it before. Okay. (laughs) Uh, But only recently. I like that. salespeople focus on income when they should be focusing on outcome. What happens after the customer takes possession? What happens after they buy the, the copy machine or the refrigerator or the suit of clothes? It's all about what happens after that's what matters in sales because that's when your reputation rolls. And it's the same with this podcast. It's not, uh, it's what what's going to happen after it, it, it publishes what's going to happen after you post it. Right. So, If you're if you're a salesperson and you're focused on your only on your income, you have a problem. You will not be building relationships. And relationships are where your success lies. All everything that I've done over the past 25 years, actually over the past 30 years, has revolved itself around relationships and writing.
1: Let me ask you this. What's firing you up now? I mean, what keeps you going working this hard?
2: Well, uh, four daughters and four granddaughters Did I mention that yeah, <laughs> I, I have a nine year old kid who's, who, you know, dad, what level are you at? Like, what do you mean? What level? I'm at level 49, 72 dad. I'm like, oh. <laughs> okay. So that's one of the fire ups. Right. Um, she thinks she can beat me in a race down the hallway, uh, which we've raced about, Oh, a couple hundred times. So we were at the beach a couple of weeks ago and I, we had a race on the beach and I kicked her ass. So she understands that she still has a ways to go. But the bottom line is what keeps me going is the love of what I do. If I don't love it anymore, I won't do it anymore. Yeah. But in the meantime, I'm real good
1: at it, and I love it. What's your favorite part about it? Is it the books, the speaking, the ideas, the podcasts?
2: Speaking is really wonderful to me because I get to hear laughter and applause. Mm. uh, And that's sort of confirmation that what I did was beneficial. People write me letters and stuff like that. But really, it's a self-gratification when I'm done writing something or... Like a podcast like this, which is a real good one, that, that's, that keeps me rolling, but I'm a family guy, my family keeps me rolling.
1: Yeah, I love that. Well, I got to say, I mean, I'm only about a quarter through the book, and I am I'm excited. I'm actually worried that I'm going to spend the rest of my day reading it. See, and then, and then you get caught up in going, "Well, this is positively used time, but also I could be doing something
2: else. It's that- oh, bullshit. If you, <laughs> listen, here's what to do with that book. All right. Get a highlighter. And highlight the things that you swear to God you're going to do when you're done. And take it. And at the end of each chapter, I wrote an implementation plan for each one of the chapters. So just take your yellow highlighter, wreck the book, and uh, highlight. This is only the advanced copy, so you may be bleeding through to the page next to it. Yeah. So you may just want to underline it with a red pen or something like that. Yeah. But I promise you, there's enough gold in there that will give you incentive. And then when you're done with your highlights, listen very carefully. Record your own voice into these things that you think you're going to do and then listen to your own podcast. You're a podcaster but you need to listen to your own stuff as well. It's not like you don't have the recording device. Right, I know.
1: I do that actually when I need to
2: memorize things often. So take the take the wisdom that's there, record it in a podcast and then just listen to it when you're riding around town.
1: Well, you hit the word on the head. I mean, wisdom is what is in here. And again, the yeah. book is Napoleon Hill, Truthful Living. You did a, a really incredible job thus far. I hope the, the last three quarters of it don't go downhill. It's better. It gets better
2: as you move on. I pro- the, the last 25 pages are amazing. Oh, I can't believe even
1: the the thing where Napoleon Hill recommends books at the end, that's worth its yeah. weight right there. Exactly. So, And I know how busy you are, Jeffrey. I got to say, I was really looking forward to this. Having seen you speak, having seen, and you set the stage on fire, by the way. You're a very energetic uh, entertainer. Um thank you. But I appreciate this. I appreciate your time. Where else can people find you? I mean, you have a, a media empire out there. Tell yep. us about go your Go to social. Amazon.
2: Go to Amazon to get my books. Okay. Uh go to gitomer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R dot com and you'll find everything else.
1: Okay. Everything else there. Because I know yeah, you, I'm, you've got a lot of I am doing a well. bunch
2: of uh live uh events. Okay. I don't know when this is gonna when this will pretty uh, soon be posted. Pretty soon. Soon. Yeah. Um I'm gonna be in Chicago at the end of September. And then in, in October, and November, I'll be in Atlanta and Dallas and Philly. You coming to
1: D.C. at all now? Yeah, next year. Next year. I'll keep an yep, eye out yeah. for that one.
2: Yeah. Well, be, you know, just show up. We'll have crab cakes.
1: Yeah, it sounds good. Jeffrey, I can't say it enough. Thank you so much for your time. Great. It's book. a doggone pleasure. And really thank you it. for
2: having me. I totally appreciate uh, your opinion that I'm smart.
1: Absolutely. You made it.
2: Okay, dude. <laughs> I right. made the
1: cut. All I'll right. talk to you later. Have, we'll have a good one. Thank right. you very much.
2: Thank you.
0: And that was this week's interview with Jeffrey Gittermer. I hope you enjoyed it. And remember, his book, Truthful Living, The First Writings of Napoleon Hill, comes out October 30th and can be found at your local bookstore and on Amazon. And as always, if you decide to purchase through Amazon, please make sure to use our Amazon link located at smartpeoplepodcast.com Amazon. Any and all purchases you make through that link come at no extra cost to you, and it greatly helps support the show. And if you're looking for other free and easy ways to support the show, you can always head over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review over there. If you'd ever like to reach out to the show, you can email us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or shoot us a message on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. Make sure you stay tuned to all things Smart People Podcast by heading over to www.smartpeoplepodcast.com Sign up for the newsletter over there and check out the past episodes. All right, that's it for us this week. We've got a lot of great interviews coming up, so we'll see you next episode.